Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. I'm Dr. Robin. I'm known as the Mental MacGyver. My doctorate is in organizational business psychology with a concentration in sport and performance. And I provide luxury level high performance support and coaching to executives, founders, celebrities, and athletes. With me today, I have Catherine Fitzgerald. She is a writer, speaker, certified coach, and founder of Brass Tacks with Heart Executive Coaching. She helps founders, owners, and C-suite executives build their teams and build their businesses to fuel their lives and not consume them. I have Brandon Mahoney. He's the co-founder of LaunchPoint Labs, a national venture firm where he is an expert in creating sales departments. He is known as Dr. Startup. And I have Stuart Wiggins. He's with Induna Advisors, where he offers fractional chief operating officer services and brings resources together to help scale your business. The question I have today, how do you avoid analysis paralysis and using research to procrastinate? Brandon, where would you like to start? So I suffer from this really badly and I, and I can't say I use it to procrastinate. I just get really excited about what it is that I'm looking up and researching. So the only thing I know that has ever helped me to stop at a certain point is to give myself a timeline and give myself a deadline. At this time, I'm going to stop doing the research and I'm actually going to put it into action. Okay. Put a line in the sand. Like it. Catherine? Oh, I was just going to start by saying I'm a deadline girl. I'm not sure that I'm uh, procrastinating through the process of analysis because I'll do all the work or I will say I'm going to do all the work five, you know, X number of hours. I will put it off until the deadline and back it up and do the work and then make the decision. I'm, I don't have difficulty making decisions. I have just a lack of motivation until I have a deadline. Okay, fair. Stuart? So I, I didn't look at it as an individual effort because I've, you know, led groups where there's been problem solving exercises. So mm. I looked at it in terms of how do I keep a group on, on task? Mm. My methodology has always been identify the problem so that we don't go try to attack something that doesn't exist. Then we come up with a roadmap of boundaries so that we don't slip. And then we meet frequently to discuss you know, because you can overanalyze because you are gonna discover things that you didn't expect. So I'm not saying this technique is bulletproof. In fact, it, it's not, but at least it's a roadmap to keep you on track. I had someone point something out to me. He said to me, Robin, you're trying to make the right decision, not the decision that should be made based on what you know. And what he meant by that was, I always felt like I could know more. What if I know more? I won't get it wrong if I know more. And so I would constantly want to learn and gain information. And I would never actually do the thing because I was afraid of doing the wrong thing. That's such a good point. I think that um, perfectionist seed that is planted at some point in our brains when we're little is really something that if we're not aware of it becomes the dominant in our process, no matter what it is to do it perfectly. There's a book that is called the five principles of human behavior, and it was written for the manufacturing industry. And it talked about the average human makes um, six mistakes an hour on the line in production when they're doing the same thing over and over and over. And when I read that, it was like this mind blow. Like they're making six an hour. I could, I could make probably one a week and that, then I could give myself a break. <laughs> Why am I striving to be perfect when perfect is not possible? Brandon, you look like you had something to say. 
when I think about like decision-making process and how often I'm talking with individuals that I need to present myself as the absolute expert in this subject, mm -hmm. I feel like when I'm going through analysis and I'm trying to figure things out, I'm trying to, to prepare myself for the situation where if they ask me a question, I have not just the answer, but I have information to back up why I've why I've come to that conclusion. Because mm -hmm. one of the worst things that I, I feel like I ever experienced is if I'm in a conversation with somebody and I have to say, I don't know. Mm. I think it's 100% okay to say, I don't know. If anyone I work with says, I don't know, I don't think anything about it. Mm. Robin, you made me think of something when you talked about perfectionism. As I indicated earlier, I'm a former military officer and I was a war planner during a time period. And one of the things that we talked about was you can plan and plan and plan. But once the bullets start to hit the ground, it becomes a problem solving exercise. Mm. So the best way to get around that is to provide as much information as possible to the people that are subordinate or at least peers so that if they have to make a decision, they can make a educated decision on what to do next. And that applies in civilian life as well. We can look for things and talk about things and plan for things that maybe we didn't expect so that we can react accordingly. I've often said in my life that I'm very good at hoop jumping. If you give me a deadline or give me a thing, school, whatever, yes, I can do those things. But if it's more opaque or more abstract, I can very easily decide I need more information. So how do you decide I have enough information to move forward? How do you make that decision? For me, it's when I can easily check off the box of this is exactly what they're looking for. And I can explain it easily to my team. Hmm without someone going, well, what about this? Or what about that? I'm very much a, tell me exactly what you want so I can deliver what you want. Because I've experienced too many times where someone will say, oh yeah, I'm just looking for something broad. And then I deliver that. And it's like, well, we're not exactly looking for that. Well, then what exactly are you looking for? That frustrates me so much. Right. <laughs> uh, clear deliverables is definitely a, a high priority for me with, with whomever I'm working. But I think also, and in contrast to you, Brandon, I I think when I let go of my perfectionism personally, it allowed me to be in a coaching relationship where I didn't feel like I had to be the answer person. I really had to be the question person because people know what instinctively deep, they know what they should do. They just can't seem to get themselves to execute or to verbalize it. So it becomes present and aware in their life. They do it their by rote um, routines and reactions, especially in communication with their teams. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always use the analogy when they're uh, building a business, it's like building a plane while you're flying it. And uh, they start by building the plane by themselves. And so every part that goes into that plane, they know how it works. Once it takes flight, they decide, okay, I'm going to peel off a few of these jobs, and uh, I'm not going to have to be responsible for them. But what happens is they have discounted the landscape that they look through in terms of the total picture, and they hire someone for a job, give them a job description, and then expect them to be able to make the same quality of decision-making, and they can't. And so it's really a communication issue. But for me, it's not about being the answer person as much as it is really trying to challenge them to think about how they do business in terms of the way they communicate. So as far as it relates to the decision-making, I would say that 
you have you have to know that it's not going to be a perfect outcome or accept that it that is not going to be perfect because that's not achievable. And once you've accepted that, then you can say, okay, I've done my due diligence at you know this level. I've checked down every rabbit hole that I can think of at this point, and I'm not going to continue to look for more. I'm going to make a decision and then let you know then react as a, a, appropriate. Right. Stuart, how do you know when you have enough information to make a decision to move forward? I don't know if I can't say that I ever know, but what you've heard me say before in other settings that I try to teach people to ask why five times Hmm. because that forces people to articulate why something is. That's why like when you're building a business, you put together a performer because the performer is going to force you to put down the things that you wouldn't normally think about on a day-to-day basis. And then if you see something that happens in that, then you can start that ask why five times process. But you're never going to be able to check all the boxes because something will occur. So this is why, I mean, I tell people all the time, the 70% solution is okay. We have enough to move forward. We have enough not to be stupid and make a stupid decision. Okay. But we're going to make ourselves correct. This is why, you know, I've heard Catherine and Brandon talk about deadlines. I don't know whether driving against a deadline is good because it may force you to make a decision because you're up against a time event horizon as opposed to what the success look like horizon. And now if you have to make a decision based on the timeline, absolutely, all of us could do that. But the thing is, what can we do to mitigate that time crunch so that we can be more accurate with our decision-making process? Well, we're going to have to leave that for our listeners (laughs) to think about because that is our 10 minute. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon.